WBNE. Howdy, Yokes. Before we get started today, we just wanted to pause real quick and say, hey, what's up? My name is Tyler. And if this is your first time here, welcome to Bacon and Eggs. We're super glad you're here. This place is super low pressure, okay? Like a casual diner. You saw a movie. You want to talk about it with your buddy. That's exactly where we're at. You can listen to this show if you've seen every movie that we've watched, or you can listen to the show if you've never seen any of the movies we've watched. It's very low expectation. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Howdy, yucks, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Hill. And today we're t- turning 30. Or maybe we're just running out of time. <laughs> so quit your job at the diner. And get started on the next one. Because today we're bringing you... Tick, tick, boom! I do not like the ellipsis in the title. I don't either. I've, I've, it's, it's been a scourge upon my life for nary close to 10 years now. Since the first I think, time I interfaced with this show. See, I just typed me, in every letter of the alphabet before I got to R to get to RottenTomatoes.com. <laughs> Uh, oh, I need to do that as well. Because I accidentally closed that when I was opening up the, the script. Just give me one second. Tyler, before we get too far into this episode, I just want to say, I know that uh, Jonathan Larson, as a human being, is kind of a controversial person uh, to some extent, and that a lot of people have a lot more nuanced opinions about him and know a lot more about Jonathan Larson than I do. We are currently talking about the Lin-Manuel Miranda Netflix movie about the made-up musical that he made up about his own life back in the 90s, okay? We're as far removed from the person Jonathan Larson as we can be while still talking about the person Jonathan Larson in an autobiographical context. Um, Sorry for whoever he was as a person, and um, this is not the place to discourse that. We are not going to talk about Jonathan Larson, the person, what what parts of Rent he may or may not have stolen or um, appropriated. This isn't even about rent, like really at all. Uh, I, I, until this moment, did not know there was controversy surrounding Jonathan Larson in any way. And I don't want to discuss it because I really don't want to know. Uh, let me just run down some stats real quick. This is directed by none other than Lynn Manuel Miranda. Came out on November twenty, or I'm sorry, November twelfth, two thousand twenty-one, which is sixty-seven days ago. Had a fifty-five million dollar budget, and it does have a small box office return at ninety-nine thousand nine six hundred and sixty-nine dollars. Um, it's got an eighty-eight percent critic rating and a ninety-six percent audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and a seventy-four on Metacritic. Uh, before I hear your score, I do want a closed-ended question. That's a question with a one-word answer. What? You want a closed-ended question? <laughs> no, I want to ask you a closed-ended oh, okay. question. <laughs> I was like, "That's you're putting me on the spot there, brother. <laughs> you can ask me one next if, if you think that would be fun. Sure. Uh, have you seen Rent before? Yes. Okay. Have you, I'm, I know the answer to this question if I ask <laughs> you the same question. Have you seen Rent before? No. Didn't think so. That is okay. It honestly, it doesn't matter. So that was my thing was that like I also have never seen Tick Tick Boom. I don't think I'd really heard of it and I don't know if the the show that he writes in the show is real, but I've also never heard of that. It was like Metro City rescued Sorry. by the Crimson Chin. I was expecting you to take longer in that statement so I took a bite of pizza. And I'm now ah. realizing that that was a mistake that I made. <laughs> so, um I can 
speak about what was real in this and what wasn't real in this in a second when we talk about plot a little bit. Uh, do you have a positive? Well, I guess I read the negative review first. Tyler, I'm going to give you a one chance to tell me who didn't like this movie. Oh, my God. What is his name? Uh, 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 God, his freaking Twitter handle is YouTube front row. Richard Brody didn't like this. No, not Richard Brody. Oh, uh, who's the Christian science monitor guy? Peter Rayner? I Peter bet Peter Rayner loved this. I don't know. I That word Christian in the title really gets me skeeved out when it comes to rent. Um. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, but like, it's not like P- Peter Rayner writes for the moral majority monitor. Yeah, that's true. Um, It's Armand White of the National Review. Oh, Armand White didn't like this? It's not a sequel. Isn't that he doesn't like he doesn't anything. Like he doesn't like oh, anything well. we like. Oh, is he the... D- I'm sorry. He's the dude that doesn't like popular movies. Like, he doesn't like anything. Principle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Armand White of the Natural Review says, Tick, Tick, Boom uses the Jonathan Larson careerist cult to promote Broadway narcissism. It's the most obnoxious showbiz biopic since the lovely disgraced Cole Porter. This man is mad about Broadway and mad about the fact that he doesn't get to cover Broadway. I don't know, man. I, th- I thought that was actually a pretty good review from Armand White. Usually what he's saying i think sounds a little ridiculous but i can kind of see where he's coming from fair do you have a positive review for me from a professional critic uh yeah let's take a look see hmm this comes from don a from the boston globe which is not in england the uh, boston globe like- <laughs> cheerio boston globe hip, hip, I- i'm from boston here everybody <laughs> knows what say. people from boston sound like <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I don't think I can do a Boston accent here. With tick, tick, boom, Miranda has done Lawson proud. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Th- here's what happened. I'm the TikTok you. voice of Rocket <laughs> Raccoon. <laughs> so can I tell you how I got there? Is in my brain. I was like, New England, Matt Damon, maybe. Uh, who was I actually? Hey, look, you? I can make Rocket Raccoon say tits <laughs> and fart. <laughs> Bradley Cooper. You guys, why is my TikTok voiceover stuck like Rocket from the movie Guardians of the Galaxy? Do you have a uh, a non-professional review from a professional human in our Discord? Yeah. I don't know that I would call anybody a professional human. That is challenging. Um, you said negative review because, no, I do not have a negative review. Um, I said positive I a, review. Okay, I thought so, but I, there is not a negative review. Uh, this one comes from, I feel like I read a lot of people a lot. Um, this comes from, uh, I was going to do that one, but it doesn't work. Uh, this one comes from Tanaru. 95 out of a hundred. I have been thinking about this movie daily since I have watched it. Can you give me one more? Yeah, I sure can. Are you really trying to eat some pizza pie? I have like one bite left. This one comes from Go Tori on the Mountain. 92 out of 100. I've always loved the original cast recording of Tick, Tick, Boom, so the bar for this film was set pretty high. It did not disappoint. The talent in every scene was just immeasurable, but Andrew's performance in particular was nothing short of wonderful. Such a well-crafted and thoughtful commemoration of Jonathan Larson and the work he gave to the theater community. I like to imagine that it was presented like a fifth grader doing a commencement speech where they're just like reading words off the page for the first time, but they definitely like didn't write them or rehearse it at all. This is the year that we got our yellow dog torch. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be upfront with you. Uh, In the words of the great Pat McAfee, this is a 100%er. I'm surprised you think that. I have never felt 
so attacked by a movie in my entire life. I actually did as well. Um, I thought, God, I'll get right into it when I talk about, uh, I, this, this falls at an 88 for me. I honestly, I think it's fantastic. I think it's amazing. Um, but like, I didn't really get emotionally invested until like the last 10 minutes. And I kind of like to build with it. And I just didn't have that this time. Mm, sounds like operator error to me. I, I think it is, oper- but this is a subjective show. It's my score. That's totally fair. I, that's totally fine. Um, Here's the thing is I identify way too much with with old Jonathan Larson here in this movie. I turned 30 in 424 days, uh, which is less soon than you, but only just. Um, And I haven't done like he's like I I wrote a musical that uh, Stephen Sondheim called one of my songs. Great. Um, You know, I I haven't done that. And Stephen Sondheim's dead. Yeah, he can't say anything. Like Stephen Sondheim will never have an opinion about my musical ever. Um, yeah, this movie hit me right in the feels, right, right in the, in the deep feels of the like, you know, and, and I know that it, it, it's stupid to feel like this, right? you like 30 is not, and this is the whole point I think of, uh, I still haven't seen it. This is the whole point of inside by Bo Burnham, right? It's like 30 is not the end of the world that it's made out to be and that you're going to be no. okay for the most part. No, no, Mm-mm. just about the opposite of that. Yeah. But that's what you're supposed to take away from it. Right? Like, well, I, I so think that's whatever. Yeah. So, so we, we yeah. have, we have come around on 30 as a generation in the last 31 years. Uh, I think that's true. I don't think we're all the way there yet, though. Like, the more conversations I have about 30 with people, the more I hear 30 is the new 20, things like that. Uh, But that's with people who are already 40. You know what I mean? Right. Who are looking at it in hindsight, in the rear view. Right. And they're like, yeah, it was good. But but when I talk about to 30 about when I talk about 30 with people our age or I kind of have that discussion about the impending doom that is 30. I, I feel like it's still a much more negative connotation. Yeah. So this is the thing for me is like, I, I feel this right where, where, where he, the agent tells him like, you know, this isn't the end of it. You get started on the next one and that's writing. And like, I am, I firmly believe in my heart of hearts in my, in my deep down that I will be a best-selling author one day, but I have not gotten anywhere close to finishing a novel ever in my life. Um, I've got about halfway there a couple times and abandoned a, a manuscript that I didn't feel invested in. Each time, because I'm so wrapped up in my own head about writing the next great American novel that I, I'm forgetting how to tell a story that I know anything about. Right. It's the exact problem he has in this movie. He's trying to write a musical about, you know, the, the dystopian future society of superbia, um, which is, is nonsense. Real, can, right. Is what? that a real musical? I mean, it's a, it's a project that John Larson worked on and never finished. It didn't go anywhere. Right. No, I know it didn't go anywhere, but like. Yeah, no, that's a real thing. Sure, OK. Yeah. Yeah. They had to, like, revive the, the original songs from the Library of Congress to do them for the movie. No way. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So then he did. Tick, tick, boom is like a, like a rock show, like in, in like theaters. Like it was like, it was exactly basically what was displayed in the, the scenes of Vanessa Hutchins. Yes. Um, but yeah, like I'm just so caught up in my own stupid ideas of, of like what the, the, the novel written by Ethan Edgehill is supposed to look like that I can't even write. Like I haven't gotten started. I'm so far behind the ball as it were. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm past 27. I passed where Stephen Sondheim had his first hit. You know, and but the, you, you have to hear that comparison and hear how ridiculous. It well, yeah, let me, like. let me, I understand let me, you tell it to yourself. Let me finish what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's just like this. This is one of those times where I, I, it puts it into sharp contrast for me that like other people feel this way. Right. And like people get 
to to have their success even after the age of 30. Right? Does it's not some some deadline that you have to be done by and maybe it's just because I've been told that by record labels and and you know that I'm too old to be in a band of the kind of music I listen to and and maybe it's just because you know some it's somewhere deep down I don't have the kind of self-worth it takes to be, you know, a famous creative person. I have no idea. Um but I also feel this immense pressing weight because like I have been through some stuff in my life in the past, you know, 5 years of my life. Um, I've, I've been given quite a few heavy burdens to bear and I feel like I'm supposed to turn those into something positive, something that the whole world can enjoy and can learn from instead of just keeping this, this pain and this hurt for myself. Not that that's what I'm trying to do, but like, I, I feel wrong for the fact that I haven't been able to, to do that yet. Right. I haven't written my novel. I haven't released my own, you know, solo album of, of the you know, super intense heartfelt music. Um, no, but, uh, I do want to tell you to shut the heck up right now and i'll tell you why okay because you're wrong you haven't released the album okay you didn't release a musical album but you've released 400 hours worth of podcast content yeah that counts no That's i know it does i know it does you you made a book and sold out of two editions let me self-published let me finish let me finish but this is this is the this is the brain worms, right? Like this is the the self doubt that creeps in, and and that's why I love this movie so much is because it shows. I think one of like, the best. I think I can articulate the point you're trying to yeah. make. Yeah, one of the best sharp contrasts in this film that I think is amazing is that so much of it, and this is, I mean, it was on the nose. It was right in front of you. So much of it is Jonathan Larson. I'm turning 30. This is the end of the world. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But then at the end, when they say Jonathan Larson died at 35, it's a it clicks in your brain. He was so young. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, it it, it has it pisses me off that he died so young. Right. Like he he suffered an aortic dissection that was undiagnosed by his hospital, who sent him home with what they called the flu, and the man's heart was ripping itself apart. And that pisses I me watched. off in a whole separate way. Just you know, after again everything I've been through in the last couple of years. So yeah, I think this movie so clearly just I can point like it's it's the the thing where like it's given me a new language to talk about how the inside of my brain works, right? To mm-hmm. so like I've just never connected with a character creatively in that way before. But Jonathan Larson, for all the good that he did, okay, like was a starving artist. Yeah, like he refused, the day he died. Right, like he refused to not be a starving artist. Sure, like yeah. It, it was more about starving than art, I think, at times. Definitely. And that and there's some part of my brain that is like, I have categorically refused to be a starving artist. Where, like, it's just not worth it to me. And then you come back to, like, this is why you can't write. is because you, you know, you do X, Y, Z instead. And there's truth to that. I definitely have a problem with, um, um, like... <laughs> It's not, they're not hobbies, right? But I try to, I, I constantly try to like pick up new skills and that's been useful for me, but it also like, I get it. Jack of all trades, master of none, but better to the master of one. Right. But like, maybe I have too many trades. I think sometimes I think that until I get really in the deep end, like I know dad level, like I know corporate dad level details about cars. Yeah. I know more than most people my age who have never had to work with cars. Sure. Uh, but like if somebody gets in there and they're like really telling me about something that needs fixing or like the carburetor shot, it is a hundred percent Greek to me. I don't know that that's necessarily the best example, but like it's very technical stuff. I can't, I have a very 
good logical brain, I can't do like electric maps in my mind. Can't be done. Okay. Yeah, I feel you. But like, I'm trying to learn how to make motion graphics in Adobe After Effects and learn the mandolin at the same time. Currently in my life right now, on top of everything else that I'm doing, training a dog and, and you know, working a 40 hour job and doing this and doing late to the party. Just coming back soon. Whatever that first I'm, last Monday in January is. Last Monday in January. I think it's let's, the 31st. Shout it out right now. Monday the 31st. That is correct. Yeah, the 31st annual Space Awards generation live via yeah. satellite in color. It's an 18-hour function with commercial interruption. Glorious, glamorous, slam bam arama. Are you proud of yourself for that? No, not really. I, I have an embarrassing amount of the damn Encanto soundtrack memorized, tell you that much. Uh, so my house in Encanto, uh, Super Carlin Brothers employees just can't seem to get that one right. Honestly, that it's 100% true as I listen to other people say Encanto all day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just started to worm its way into my head. Encanto. Encanto. Uh, is Dos Emily's Orquitas favorite movie? Oh, enamoradas. Oh, if you keep singing, I'll start crying. That's where I'm at with that one. Every time it comes on, Emily's like Alexa and like song, and I'm like, no, that's my favorite one. And then you didn't, you, you didn't cry it louder than words, man. No, I cried at the end of this movie for sure. I uh, yeah, I was crying at the end. That's louder yeah, than no, words. louder than words. Yeah. yeah, I would say that's the end when I cried. I said the last ten minutes is when it got me right in the guts. No, I actually think the uh, I don't know who the actor is, but the the friend deserves a nomination for this one. Oh, the guy who plays Michael. Yes. Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I thought that was a spectacular performance. So old, old Andy Garf's got the Golden Globe for best uh, actor in a drama or uh, sorry, in a, in a comedy or musical at the Golden Globe. Um, I think that is fully deserved. This did, let, let's so let's I talked a lot about my own feelings so far. Let's talk about the movie, right? We have seen okay. a, we have seen a lot of interpretations on the movie musical this year. Yes. You know, you've got um in the heights yeah you got in the heights and you got west side story which are these like real kind of like larger than life uh they're two different takes on new york right and then there's mm -hmm. a huge movies they're these huge set pieces they're these big events in musical theater and you've got dear evan hansen which was awful garbage garbage a monstrosity just the worst just the worst and you've got this, which is like a proper, like proper art school film with songs in it. Yeah. Like it is a, it is oh, beautiful. Was Hamilton last year or was that two years ago? Hamilton was last year. Yeah. No, two years ago. Yeah. It was, I'm thinking it's still 2021. <laughs> Hamilton was 2020. Okay. Does that mean we're getting close to like. That was also specifically not a movie musical. Well, well I mean, it wasn't. Well, look, you can argue with me over whether Inside by Bo Burnham is a movie or not. Hamilton is a, it, that is the stage production. It's been filmed. No, I disagree. I 100% disagree with that. Hamilton is a movie. It's not. Hamilton is a movie. It's no, not. Hamilton okay, is a I'm movie. I'm not saying it's like, but it's not, it's not a movie musical. Okay. You need to understand the distinction we're making here, right? Sure. This it is. is, no, it's not. And this, there's nothing to be gained by adding it to that conversation. Hamilton, there was more, there was direction with the cameras. I agree. I agree. It set a new precedent for what can be done with Broadway shows. Pro shot. Yeah. Yeah. But it is specifically not a movie musical. Like, I'm not, that's not a diss. Let me ask you this. That it just convolutes the, the conversation. Let me ask you this. Okay. With original cast, two exceptions, Hamilton is now played by Zac Efron and Eliza is now played by Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, you can't do that. You can't do that. Is it a you movie can't musical? Change, you can't change Alexander Hamilton to be played by a white dude. <laughs> like, not just any white guy. Like the like white the dude. The prettiest the guy. The white boy of the month. <laughs> 
It wouldn't make any sense if it was Eliza and King ja- George. King George. King James. King James. I have read the Bible. <laughs> I dare say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like this is, and not that not that in the Heights and and West Side Story weren't you know beautiful movies. Not they weren't extremely well shot. But those are like that was a those are big budget, big production shut down the streets in New York city to do a dance number kind of films, yes. right? Like that's, that's a whole different conversation. Yes. And um, this was like filmed in the back of a, like backstage of, of a black box theater. A bla- yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> rehearsal room next to a black box theater. <laughs> right. And somebody's apartment and a diner set. Yeah. On a stage. Cause, cause they turned it into a stage. Yeah, that's how absolutely. Um, yeah. But like, I, I like, is there, I used to be a big, I used to be a big Hamilton hater, right? We all understood that. I was wrong. I get it. Is there anything Lin-Manuel Miranda can't do? Um, okay. Cause the man's think, got the vision, right? Yes. And I think he's got, he's, he's really benefiting from like, there will be a time where we talk about late 20 or late teens, early twenties, Broadway. And we talk about that awful rap thing that we were all about. Do you remember that? Yeah. That's what we'll say in 2030. Right. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe we'll still be in it by then, but 2030 will... is, is shockingly closer than you think it is. I guess. Yeah. 20, 2040. I'm going to be so old. It's 2030. <laughs> I've been to the year 3000. As a yeah, I don't think itself. that the, I don't think that the 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 rap thing is going to go away from Broadway. I think there will be a distinctive Lin Manuel Miranda rap sound that yeah. even in hip hop. I mean, you know, he's the he's the Tupac of musical theater rap. Well, he he is the new Sondheim, right? Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing. Right. He is the new, how does he do it? Kind of like protege type. Every time. Every time, right? Like, yeah. Sondheim had his own, and I'm not the world's biggest fan of it, um, but, it, you know, he had his own style, right? He's known for, like, heavy dialogue in musicals. That was his mm-hmm. whole thing. That was his whole shtick. Um, Let me ask you this. Yeah. If it's on Broadway, the Broadway. Yeah. It has to be good. That's this not true. Is, no, it does. It's not There's, true. There is no show that you and I could go to that we would leave and be like, mm, that was not worth $120 a seat. There are plenty, plenty of shows you could go to that you would say that about. No, because this is what I was realizing watching this is it made me think about like the preview process and the and well, the whole thing the show's about, right? And it got me thinking, like, if you're one of the actors at this preview performance, like, you can turn in a great day and the writer still have a bad day. And I think it's so interesting from a judge's perspective of, like, I really like the music or that singer sounds really good, but this sucks. So let me put it to you this way. This never made Broadway. Tick, tick, boom. Never made Broadway. Really? Even when it was produced as a full-fledged scripted musical, like in the mostly as you see it today in the musical, in the movie, in 2001, off Broadway. It never made Broadway. I don't think it would be a very good show, truthfully. I mean, I've watched a bootleg. Yeah? Yeah. Where do you find time? I was in college. Oh, man. I could watch anything. Yeah, I was in college. Remember when I got big into musicals when we were in college and everybody tells that embarrassing story about how I sang all of Les Mis while I was drunk wearing a, 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 you know, Bush Gardens marching band jacket that was eight sizes too small for me. Yeah, like a size extra small. And y'all made me lick the bottom of my shoe. Um, and I, I, and I have not drank and I have not drank yingling since then. And I'm not going to say what age I was when that happened. I, here's what makes me laugh that was, so much so, about so that. So here's the thing is I discovered Les Miserables, mm-hmm. right? 
Two and I just and I and I fell in love with it. Right, I watched the, the the Nick Jonas version and was like, "This is the coolest thing." I'm gonna get back to musicals. I've thought about musicals since my mom was like, you know, taking me to Children of Eden back in the day. Um, two perfect children. Yeah, I don't remember how the songs go, but I know there's one about two perfect. There are, yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just like followed the Spotify rabbit hole down. Right. Yeah. And I came across a lot of like, um, like I came across this show. I came across the last five years, uh, which got a movie, but never made Broadway. I came across next to normal and catch me if you can. And you know, a lot of these like shows that, that didn't get the love they deserved, but like did get a bootleg. And like, if mm-hmm. they, if it had a bootleg, I was 90% more likely to just like watch it and right. enjoy it and like take, take it under my my wing and like think about it for the next 10 years yeah which is what this show was and so when they were like yeah yeah oh we're we're making a new movie i was like yes awesome like then lin-manuel miranda's directing and adrian garfield i was like i love all these people this is cool this is, this is all great this news. is all great news right when they this were like we're making the last five well years into me. a movie i was like i don't like anna kendrick very much and i don't know who jeremy jordan is so the last five years you either think is stupid hold on i'm trying to remember or you like really liked it oh, i love knowledge. it with my whole heart yeah yeah a a quadruple plus for concept on that one i don't know what it's about so it's a two-person show this is cool uh-huh. it's a two-person show about a married couple right mm-hmm. and her they they ne- they only sing one song together in the whole show and her story starts at the end and his story starts at the beginning and they meet at the wedding and go the other direction mm. and it doesn't end well. Rough beginnings, rough endings. That's what they say. Yep. Yep. And I mean, it literally starts the, the first song is like, we're getting divorced. This did not end well. Mm. And it turns around and he meets her for the first time and is like, oh my God. This sounds great. It is great. There's a movie with Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan. Uh, Jeremy Jordan. I don't know who that is, but in my brain, I picture Corbin Blue. He is not. He doesn't look anything like Corbin Blue, but he can sing. Uh, so can Corbin Blue. He could sing better than Corbin Blue. Okay. Um, you should watch the movie. It's really good. But yeah, it, 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 in my mind, it is inexorably linked to this show and to several others just because they were like kind of like easily digestible musical scores. Mm hmm for shows that had reliable bootlegs in 2012. Yeah. So that is my history with this show. I don't really know where I was going with that, but... Yeah, I don't know either. I know that uh, I heard of this a few months ago when they announced the movie, and then uh, I watched the movie today. When they did the trailer, like the first... Because the first trailer was just them doing Boho Days in the middle, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I literally cried from the beginning of the first trailer. Really? It was one of those movies. That's so weird to me because you usually don't watch trailers. I don't, but I already know what happens in this because I've seen I, a bootleg. Yeah, but I mean. I don't watch trailers for, look, I don't watch trailers for movies that I know I'm going to see. And usually for movies I know I'm going to cover on this podcast. My question is, like, do you go out of your way? To, why does your lighting look so much better than mine? It doesn't. It's so shitty. What are you talking about? I cannot get my webcam to cooperate. Cooperate. I mean, cooperate. you're out of focus. Yeah, I'm out of focus. I'm dark. I'm like way too white. Yeah, but I look like like you look like you're in a film. I look like I'm a dude in my bedroom and there's a TV in here. Like, yeah, it's it's not like the best lighting in the world. There's a lot on your what appears to me to be left cheek. Uh, yeah. although, I don't know if it is. Yeah, it's my left. Yeah. Okay. Cool, that's cool. the that's the arm that has the stuff on it. Yeah. Yeah. All those all those drawings. 
All those drawings, but the then, mess. But yeah, so I feel like people are going to be like, Ethan's the one with vision, and Tyler's just a slob with Disney Mickey Mouse ears. And maybe they're right, but I want the vision too. I think I would make a good cinematographer. I was actually thinking the other day, I think I would make a good cinematographer. Oh, like, I, I was doing something today um, for an ad for Manscaped. Nice. Where I was like, I was doing close detail shots on a, on a ball trimmer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I would make a good cinematographer. I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I have the vision. I can see it. Because uh, like, and, and, and that's the thing is like, I've done a couple music videos and every time I've done it, I'll be like, I can't make my hands do what my brain sees. Mm. Like I don't have the, the, um, either the, the, you know, I don't have the gear. I don't have the, the, the toolbox. I don't have the, the training, but I'm like, I'm in my brain. I'm like, this looks so much cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Lynn Miller Miranda's got the vision. That's all I'm saying. Dude can see it. Because the man could do, well, I mean, I guess he wasn't really, I mean, he wrote In the Heights. He was a producer. He didn't direct it. But he did all the songs for Encanto, and he directed this movie all in the same year. And he didn't take a part in Encanto. That's, I don't know that that's ever happened. I think that, I think as much as I don't want it to be the case, I do think that the the TikTok theorists are correct. That he wanted Bruno. That he wanted Bruno, yeah. Yeah, it's it's written like a Lin-Manuel song. Yeah, I can see him so much as Ham, and I can see him so much as Bruno. I do not see Lin Manuel Miranda as Usnavi. Oh yeah, he was all. he was straight up wrong for that part. Yeah, like I can't even like in my like I was on the Peloton the other day. I don't want to flex every time I'm on this show, but I did talk about my Peloton a lot. Hey, did you guys know Tyler has a Peloton bike? <laughs> did you know? I got a Peloton bike. I was on the Peloton the other day and I was doing a Broadway ride and they had songs from In the Heights. And that I don't listen to In the Heights a lot because I don't know the songs. It's such a commitment to learn a new musical. I know like I know that I really like the music. I don't have to explain myself to you. I don't listen to it that often. No, I but I, I firmly agree. The, the the fact that you just said it is so much commitment to learn a new musical is like I feel that so much. It that wasn't was, even in- half of that was my my uh my resistance to Hamilton was that like if I liked it, I was gonna have to learn all of the fifty thousand words but it's so much easier than you think because it really is it's harder to skip a song during hamilton than it is oh to yeah to absolutely it. like because if you skip one then you're like uh well do i really want to listen to this one now yeah i, I went to like i went really quickly uh, as far as hamilton goes i went really quickly from hamilton is stupid to i can sing along to the instrumentals like yeah. very <laughs> very quickly <laughs> yeah uh, but it's such a commitment to learning a new musical, right? Like, and that's the yeah. thing is like the musicals I like that are just now being made into like movies and stuff, like In the Heights and this. I've been listening to for ten years. Yeah, like I because I found them I on a Spotify to... search accidentally in 2012. Like I found In the Heights before Hamilton. Well, not before Hamilton had been thought of. Before Hamilton had been produced, right? Right. And I listened to the first track when Hamilton came out, and I was like, "This isn't In the Heights. This is stupid." <laughs> Yeah, I want I want Usnavi. I want Usnavi, not this colonizer. No, if I could get not not to not to hate on the guy that did um to did Benny in in the heights of the movie, but if I could get Anthony Ramos doing Usnavi and Christopher Jackson doing Benny, like that would be ideal scenario. Oh yeah, because he was the original Benny. Oh, anyway. Um, so why was I talking more than the heights? I was. Uh, on the Peloton, In the Heights came on, and I was listening to it, and I was like, man, this is really good. So I'm very scared. This is my final point from that original conversation. I'm very scared that uh, I'm going to, like, fall down the In the Heights rabbit hole. And then how do we all, I think, and talk about for, like, a month? Yeah, it does that. It does that with, uh, I mean, I think that's coming, honestly. Like, because it missed a lot of people when the movie came out. In the Heights? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it missed a lot of people when the movie came out. And now, like, since lin Wells Miranda's star has never been brighter right now in the last, since Hamilton came out, right? Like, yeah, but and, I even and think- the the entire social conscious right now is devoted to Encanto. Encanto. That's what I was gonna say. It's like I think, that, yeah, the Hamilton pro shot's a big deal, but Enc- 
Encanto is the next Frozen, and it's Encanto is going to be bigger than Frozen. I firmly I, believe that. I maybe don't not. Know maybe how not for gonna... kids. Maybe not in the toy market. But like Encanto is going to win. It's going to be like a proper stage musical. Have you not seen Frozen? I have not, but like it is. It's going to be bigger than Frozen on Broadway. On Broadway in the musical theater world, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Encanto. Because I'll tell you, and, like and a, people, a school th- version. this conversation came up today in the Discord is why is everybody talking about, we don't talk about Bruno so much. Everybody's like, there are clearly better songs. And I'm like, yes, but nobody knows how to write an earwormy company number better than Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. And that is why the family Madrigal, we don't talk about Bruno and um, all of you are like having their moment on TikTok is because they are extremely good company numbers. So I, uh, I get more Luisa TikTok than anything service pressure is a banger bill like why is it service pressure the biggest number you know why isn't the, the song people are talking about the most and like people who love the song are talking about it but it's 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 hard to get into that one if you haven't seen the movie if you haven't like really interface with it because it starts so slowly yeah like it's just like it also, like it's I just imagine. noises where there isn't dialogue at the beginning yeah and that just doesn't make for a good song uh but the thing is with surface pressure here's i guess the point i was trying to get to it has nothing to do with the quality of the song oh, i no, love sure. them all the Family Madrigal is maybe one of my favorite opening numbers ever. Yeah. I mean, the the the, the intro to In the Heights, the opener to In the Heights is one of my favorite songs, one of my top five from that entire um, show. I mean, I don't think that the, that the opener for Hamilton necessarily makes my top five, but it is like, it is a masterpiece of oh, musical yeah. theater work, right? Like it is, it is very good. It just doesn't have the, the, the pizzazz of some of the other numbers. Where do you, hold on. Let's, let's, Alexander Hamilton is the hand with the ring. Hello, Book of Mormon. Oh, it's hello. Do you think this way? Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't know. See, I think when I when you compare those things, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, obviously the funniest dudes in the world, and their jokes are obviously the best in the whole musical theater world. But the music is a little bland compared to something Lynn wrote. I think the music in in the Hamilton opener is a little bland. We fuck with him. Like it's cool. It gets the it gets the point across, right? It's a good opener for the show, and they keep you know, coming so, back to that. Yeah. But da 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 da. How does a blank, blank, blankety, blank, blankety, blank, blank thing like that is a great use of of Burr as the Greek chorus. Yeah. But like it it, it requires the payoff, right? Mm-hmm. It requires you to get to the end of the show and for Burr to be like, how does a, you know, whatever guy. Son I of used a bitch, to know. I hate this motherfucker. <laughs> I hate him. I'm going to shoot him, him in I the do face. <laughs> Uh, How does this arrogant, obnoxious, loudmouth bother be seated at the right hand of the father? father. (laughs) It's so good, like, but it requires the payoff, right? And like, I think. No, but here's here's my thing: is when I was getting back into musicals, right around the time you were, I don't know what triggered you. For me, the gateway into musical theater was in the car with James. He played. uh, That's Jim Swindell. I know you're listening, James. I'm talking about you. I think you're listening. Has James seen Tick Tick Boom? I would. I would bet he's definitely listened to it. Oh yeah, he was a big Rent guy. He was. He was in Rent. He was in Rent. He was in. Or was he in Newsies? No, he's in rent. Okay. He's a squeegee man. Squeegee man. Okay. Um, back to what I was saying. What path was I going down, Ethan? I don't know, but Tyler, it's time for a mid-roll ad. Oh, neato. This week's episode of Bacon and Eggs is brought to you by our friends over at Netflix. Uh, Netflix is an amazing place. If you don't have an account, I'm sure you know somebody that does. But really what I want to talk to you about is not only can you watch Tick, Tick, Boom, which is the subject of this episode, but you can also watch Younger, the complete series. But if you don't want a Netflix subscription, but you do want to watch Younger, which, if you don't know, is about a 40-year-old with a teenage daughter, uh, played by Liza Miller. And they can't figure out the next move. She hooks up with like a 20-something tattoo artist. They think they're about the same age, and chaos ensues from there. I think you'd really like it. 
Uh, you, you don't have to just watch it on Netflix. You can watch it on DVD. That's exactly right. Our friends over at Netflix gave us five copies of Younger, the complete series that we can give to you. So same drill as last week. There's going to be an Instagram post. You need to like the post, follow us, and comment on the post. And then you get an extra entry if you post it on your story. Five seasons of Younger could be yours. Could be yours. Well, no, sorry. Five copies of the complete series of Younger. <laughs> nice. I don't know if there's five seasons. It seems unlikely. I think it didn't get renewed. Thank you. Shout out to Netflix for those copies, and we will get them sent over to the people that entered when the giveaways. Yes. Yay. Yes, yes. And speaking of Sutton Foster, we're talking on musicals, and Sutton Foster is a Broadway star. She's in the Music Man with Hugh Jackman, which is everything Jonathan Larson hated about Broadway. But she's not in this. She is not in this, no. And you know, here's the thing. Let me talk, actually, I do want to talk about the Music Man for two seconds, right? Because like, obviously, it is the evil empire of, of musicals, right? Like, it is... It is Warner Brothers being like, we're, we can't own anything else, so we're going to own musicals, right? We're going to, we're going to kick Beetlejuice out of its home so we can do The Music Man with Hugh Jackman, a, a musical that nobody really wants. And then like Hugh I mean, Jackman. say nobody really wants, but it will sell out. Oh, it's already sold out. I mean, I'm not, I'm not denying that. I'm not denying that. Yeah. But let me let me finish, man. You keep getting to me halfway through my points today. So there was recently there was a fourth day of previews for the Music Man with Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman, and Sutton Foster had to miss a show. I don't really know why. And the swing had to step in. Now, this this swing in particular could have covered any of eight roles, including the lead, like the female lead, mm-hmm. but she had never even rehearsed before. And like I told at noon, hey, you're going in at 1 p.m. to play Marion, and also you're playing Marion tonight on Broadway at seven o'clock, by the way. Sutton Foster can't she, make it. Uh, but if I understand correctly, she nailed it. She did nail it. But also, like, after the show, Hugh Jackman was like, hey, like, like, before we do bows, everybody, let's let's understand a couple things about Broadway. What you got to understand about Broadway is we do not live. We we do not do anything without the swings, without the understudies, without anybody. And this lovely woman next to me had no idea she was going to come on and play the leading lady next to me tonight. And she absolutely killed it. And he and he's just like he's out on stage in the cost in the marching band costume as Hugh Jackman with his Australian accent being like, I'm going to make a plea for why you should stop bullying me about being in a goddamn musical on Broadway. I love that he does Broadway. I do too. And that is the thing is like, at no point was anybody like Hugh Jackman should have said no to this. It was just like, we would love it for Beetlejuice to not be kicked out of, you know, the theater that it was in so that you can do the music man, a show that can literally be done in any theater. I know because I've seen it done at Mill Mountain. Yeah. You can do it at any of these. You can do it on any stage in America. Yeah. And they're doing like a, like an avant-garde version too, that like doesn't use sets. I love that. I, I think that's the best. I mean, I agree, but like you can do that in literally any theater on Broadway. There are so many that were empty, not having sold out shows in them. Yeah. And Hades sounds so good. Well, Hades Town didn't go anywhere. Oh, I'm sorry. Beetlejuice. Yeah. That's Beetlejuice was really good. And it was like, it was, you know, winning awards. It wasn't like it was doing badly. Right. Like I remember I was in, I just, I happened to be in New York and I was like, this was around the same time. And I wondered, I was like, maybe I can get a showing of Beetlejuice tonight, like last minute tickets. So I was I went over to the box office, right? And I was like, hey, can I get a ticket? And the guy goes, yeah, in April. And this was December. (laughs) (laughs) Screw you, He was like, we've been sold out every night for the whole run. (laughs) Anyway, Andrew Garfield, tick, tick, boom. Couldn't sing before he did this movie. Which, on on one hand, is conflicting to me, right? Because, like, I don't necessarily know that he should be praised for that. You know what I mean? Like, 
it's always but, an interesting thing when they're like, oh man, this actor had to do all this stuff so that they could do this role. It's like, why do we view that as a good thing, right? Like, why are we like, oh my God, Andrew Garfield's so cool because he couldn't sing before he took this role on. Like, he probably just shouldn't have gotten the role. Yeah, no, I feel that. But I also think, like, this isn't like a harmful, like, I have less of an issue with Andrew Garfield. Oh, definitely. Like, like, than like the Christian Bale thing. But like, also think about this, Andrew Garfield was like a music, or not a music college guy, like a like a theater college guy, like right? A like he theater, was a, yeah, theater actor. He he has a Tony Award for drama. There's, I'm sorry, in all the programs I've been involved in, it is impossible for you to like go to theater school and not at least have a rudimentary understanding of singing. Well, I think he like he he's he's English though. I know, but like you can so go to like kind of, you can go to like the the Royal Shakespeare Academy, like play school. You can go to play school. Yeah, yeah. Like I yes, I understand that all the departments that you've been involved in were like this, but like not all of the departments in the world are like that. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, my experience, you know, my anecdotal experience is not science for sure. Yeah, I just want to. Be real I've watched I've watched half of Angels in America with Andrew Garfield. What is that? The show that he the play he won the Tony for. Oh. Uh. I've never seen it. But uh, yeah, I, I I can I can't imagine why. It's eight hours yeah. long. Is it really? Yeah, it's two it's two plays. Oh, that's cool. It's two parts, like the like the cursed child. Oh um, you have to go to the theater twice? Yeah, yeah. You have to go either like Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, Sunday. It takes two days to see the cursed child. Yeah. This is news to me. Yeah. Anyway, so Angels of America is a play by Tony Kushner, who had something to do with this movie. I believe wrote the script or something or script supervised or whatever ad- adapted it in some way. Um, but yeah, he's a playwright that wrote, um, that wrote Angels of America. It's, it's a big deal. I mean, it's, it's a big, it's a big play, right? And it was, they did a, a, a pro shot of it with Andrew Garfield and Nathan Lane, which was pretty cool. I've watched half of it. Who's Nathan Lane? Nathan Lane from the producers. He's, you know, he's Nathan Lane, man. He's, he's like, he's like Patton Oswalt, but gayer. Mm. Yeah. I'm looking at photos of this guy. Nope. This one's new to me. Really? Yep. Oh, he's cool. He's a, he's a song and dance man. But he also is in movies and stuff. Oh. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, even see the birdcage. We could, yeah. This comes up every every time we do Pride. Yeah, he's Robin Williams' husband seen... in the birdcage. I see. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, it's cool. It's where that that TikTok clip of uh, Andrew Garfield sitting on a bed with a cross in his hand, being like, "Garlic, a crucifix, fuck off," <laughs> comes from. <laughs> I've never seen that in my <laughs> I'll life. I have to send it to you. <laughs> oh my god um but yeah and that's that's where uh lin-manuel miranda found him and talked to his massage therapist about because they had they share a massage therapist who just straight up who did the the biggest alley-oop in in movie history (laughs) in recent movie history when lin-manuel miranda's in there and is like you know andrew garfield right the guy's like yeah yeah totally um why? And he's like, Andrew Garfield could sing. And the massage therapist is like, yeah, totally. Great yeah, singer. Sure can. <laughs> and then Andrew comes in two days later. And he's like, hey, I told Lin-Manuel Miranda you could sing. So you might want to get lessons. Yeah, you got to get on that now. You got to get on that. <laughs> do you th- Who do you think was more jazzed to work with who? Because I think this is, a li- it's Lin's year. It's Andrew Garfield's It's year. Andrew Garfield's year for sure. Andrew Garfield strikes me as the guy that every time his phone rings with a job offer, he's just like, yes, I get to be in a movie. <laughs> I love doing this. Right. Like, the best. I have never seen Andrew Garfield like with a, with a outside of, of acting with a frown on his face. Right. Like I'm, well, ever. I'm sure he has a challenging life. I mean, I'm sure he, uh, yeah, he's I'm sure human. he does. 
Um, Andrew, if God, you're listening, speaking I want you to of, know it's okay. Speaking of people that have horribly challenging lives that we should feel so bad for them, uh, did you see that Daniel Radcliffe is going to play Weird Al Yankovic in a biopic I of Weird saw- Al Yankovic? <laughs> Who do you, that's another one. Like, who's more jazzed about this? I don't know who I mean. The 90s kids. Oh, that's who's jazzed <laughs> no. about it. 90s between, kids. Between Al and Dan, who is more like, I get to meet so-and-so? Like, is I mean, Al like, like I, don't, I, I get don't, to meet I don't know, Harry because like Potter. Knowing, is, knowing Al Yankovic, it is like directed and produced by Al Yankovic. Right. <laughs> and he was that like, he was like, I want Daniel Radcliffe to play me in a movie. In a movie about Albuquerque. Yeah. One day we will we will come to we will acknowledge Weird Al Yankovic for what he is, which is the greatest songwriter maybe since Mozart. The dude's got the dude's insane, man. Like he's he amazing. just he's he has so no good. help ever. Yeah, no, and he's so good. I mean, it's, yeah, it's and it's just incredible. like he keeps doing it. Like he he has not seen a dramatic lack of or dramatic drop in quality in his parodies ever. Ever. Like music there, has yeah. gotten pop music has gotten worse. I think he's lowered the bar for the quality of pop music he would parody. I mean, sure, but like that still, you have to like, you know, because he could have gone the way of punk goes pop, right? Where everything got really boring because pop music was boring. Right. Like, I haven't listened to Weird Al Yankovic recently, but I imagine that like making parodies out of Post Malone songs is more challenging than it was out of like the Backstreet Boys. What Backstreet Boys song did Weird Al Yankovic parody? Um, uh, 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 I want it that way. I bought it on eBay. That's exactly right. Bought uh, it on eBay. Uh, to this day, I know every word to play Pretty Fly for a Rabbi. And I know none of the words to Pretty Fly for a White Guy. I don't even know what the All Yahoo says is Pretty Fly for a White Guy. All the girlies. Oh. I don't know a single word to All About the Benjamins. I'll tell you, I've never even heard that song. I know every word to Amish Paradise. Much better than Gangsta's Paradise. I know a fair few of the words to both. I've listened to Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio more times than I've listened to uh, to It's All About the Benjamins. Yeah, I think that's probably true. But I so like I remember the first time I heard Gangsta's Paradise, I learned that Amish Paradise was a parody. And this was like 2010. Oh, there were plenty of times where I learned ex post facto that Weird Al Yankovic was parodying a song. Yeah, because his little comedy song is so funny without the parody. Right. And also, and he, there's, his albums have plenty of originals on them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine my surprise when I heard MacArthur Park for the first time. I, I just don't even know. I don't, I don't know why he thought he needed to parody that song. No, MacArthur Park is a classic. The chorus is, someone left the cake out in the rain. <laughs> Who is like, you know, well, this, this could be a great song. Hey, hey, guy that played Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movies. I like that song that you sung about cakes. I'm going to make it about Jurassic Park. <laughs> hey Richard Harris, I know you're dead now. <laughs> Jurassic Park was before Richard Harris died. I'm sure it was. <laughs> um someone left the cake, cake out, out in, in the rain. rain. I actually so the the version I default to is Maynard Ferguson. Yeah, I mean for sure. Right, for words. sure. Um now I'm thinking about uh Michael Bolton. Now I'm thinking well, about I think, I'm, see I'm thinking about big band swing. Oh no, I'm thinking about tell me supposed to live without you tell me on a scale of one to ten grade me two <laughs> oh, <laughs> two no that's not very nice be nicer to me six i will starve <laughs> that was a starving artist joke see i was taking it all the way right back to where we started to be fun. fair the thing i know like 
I know that you and your freshman roommate, Stephen Plotz, were big Michael Bolton fans. <laughs> to this day, the thing I know Michael Bolton best for is the Lonely Island song. So I would say that that year was the, the same time that happened. Yeah. And that I got into Hercules the movie, which he did the music for. Uh, I don't know any other Michael Bolton songs. Like, I know them now just sort of out of existing. This in is the, the tale of Captain <laughs> Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> this is of Tony Montana. Uh, I'm curious. I'm going to pull it up on Spotify. Michael Bolton's number one song. Do you know what it is? Is it not How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? It is not. What is it? Jack Sparrow. Michael really? Lonely Island. Yep. So, I mean, I guess it like, is Spotify. That, that came out like the same year that Spotify came out. Right. So it's got that perfect age. Yeah. I would say How Am I Supposed to Live Without You has sold more records because you used to be able to buy it on TV. Okay. Yeah, definitely. You could just call the number and they would send you like two CDs worth of awful love songs. What I love is is that TikTok has revived the concept of those promos. <laughs> late night infomercials. The late night like, infomercials where somebody like, will be in like a bathroom and they'll be like, I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. And somebody else will duet and be like, for just $14.99, you can have <laughs> the Essential Love Song 7 CD collection. This is the best. Strawberry wine. <laughs> what was your favorite growing up? Because we used to watch, like, do you remember? We would, I'm about to. Age, oh, it was, the, it was like the myself. top 50 country love songs, was the one that I remember yeah, the commercial for the most fondly. Let me, let me date you back real, real quick. It's July 2006. Okay. Okay. What are we watching on the television? Japanese Ninja Warrior. Yep. Followed by uh, like golf infomercials. Yep. Followed by tractor pull reruns. Yep. <laughs> the Monita 15th annual tractor pull. <laughs> I love that they were just like, hey, it's two in the morning. What should we air right now? Put up the tractor Original pull Ninja video. Warrior. Yeah, you, me, and Chris were probably some of the first Americans to know about to, Ninja Warrior. To, to love Ninja To Warrior. love the concept of Ninja Warrior. Like, pre-American like, Ninja Warrior didn't exist. No, it didn't. Do you remember when Ninja Warrior first came to the U.S. and people were, like, all about it? I felt like such a freaking hipster through that whole thing. That but, like, I I've been watching Ninja Warrior for literal years. For literal years. I was guys, it's on it G4 when, in the middle of the night. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> what What are you guys doing? What we got you, three channels show? at Chris's Lake House. We got public access, <laughs> G4, and, and the news. The weather channel. Of all channels we could end up with. We got G4. G4. What was their uh, their news show that was actually really good? Couldn't tell you. Oh, it was like a thing. And then they when they canceled it, it was bad. Let me see if I can find it. Do you remember the girl? Yeah. I don't remember her name, but I remember her. Uh, let me see if I can find Tell out. Tell me how am I supposed to live without you? X-Play? Does that sound like what it was? I don't remember. Honest to God. No, I don't think that's what it was. Anyway. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, tick, Tick, Boom, the Netflix movie. The scene where they do uh, the therapy song is a work of art where Vanessa Hudgens and, uh, and Andrew Garfield do the like, you know, the modern song about two people in love with the just crazy smiles on their faces. Yes. Like it, I constantly kept wishing that it wasn't cutting back to Susan. 
Yeah, I wanted more of the Vanessa Hudgens. I wanted part. to just watch that whole thing play out. Yeah. It felt like a really poorly done pro shot, truthfully, because I didn't know what's original, what's for this movie. Um, and then, like, I didn't get to see enough of the dancing. It took me to the end of the song to realize, like, what they were doing. Okay. Like, with the creepy, freaky smiles. Gotcha. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that that being... Um, I mean, at some point, it is, like, it is a poorly shot pro shot because it cuts away to some dude's life constantly right. yeah and they definitely i think this is a real cheap shot they definitely set you up to think michael died is michael not dead i mean he he's he might be dead now but he was there in the in the audience wait what like he was there in the audience during the opening night of tick tick boom oh yeah yeah but like they set you up to think that he died oh i didn't think they did i think they set me up to think that he was dying that like i, I mean it was it, it was a shocking hit to think about 1990, the AIDS pandemic is not something they teach us in school. No, not at all. Not um, at all. Because it's still to this day, it seemed like it, it's it's seen as like a shameful thing. Well, yeah. And and I, I don't understand how it could be shameful. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Because um, that's should all watch I Rent. have to say. I'm not the world's biggest. I should, I, I, listen, Rent has been on my like musical watch list forever, but that's another one. Rent and Newsies both, because I haven't watched either one. I know as soon as I dive into that. It's the same as in the Heights. And that's I'm the thing stuck. is I have not given Rent the the time it deserves as a musical. Like it's not it's not my favorite musical I've ever heard or watched cuz I I really only ever watched it. Um it's got some good numbers, but it's it's very like it's very 90s in a way that I'm not a huge fan of. Like Rocky Horror? Yeah, sort of. Like I definitely prefer modern adaptations of even like the 80s musicals. Like, I like the 25th anniversary performance of Phantom a lot better than I like the original cast recording of Phantom. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of to be expected. Like, yeah, we sang differently 25 years ago doesn't feel like that long. But even if you put, you know, like a Britney Well, it was Spears, 25 years ago, 2011. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. But like compared to now, put, you know, a Doja Cat song next sure. to uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time and like. They're very clearly different. Sure. You know what I'm saying? But like, but like, th and that's the thing is like, even when, if they redo Rent, right, it's not going to change though. Right. Because there's something so quintessentially 90s about Rent. I, man, I don't know. So I've never seen Rent. But. As we've discussed. You should, you should watch it. It's, it's worth watching. I would love to revisit it just from like a, I am a better person than I was the last time I watched Rent. And I think I could get behind the messaging much more and not yeah, care I've so much about just like it's a musical that I don't particularly vibe with. It, it, Rent ran for 12 years. Solid chance if I see it, I will like it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because I've watched, they did they did like a 10th anniversary pro shot, like a good one. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is this is cool. This is very, I can tell that this is very good. It is not entirely my shtick right now. Like it's a big production in like what I would consider not the way I like it to be a big production. Yeah. I lean toward either very, very large production musicals like Les Mis and Phantom or very small production musicals like this and uh, and and the last five years. Have you seen Come Sail Away? Not Come Sail Away. Come From, <laughs> Come away. from away? I have not. Um, have you seen Come Sail Away? Have you seen Sticks Live? I, I have not seen Sticks Live. I probably yeah, won't. They, they used to come here every year, and I always wanted to go, and I never did. Well, that's a shame. I didn't go because you don't like Sticks. Sorry, man. I don't feel the least bit bad about that. I just don't There's got to be like a reason. It's one of these things where it feels I hate like the guy's voice. That's something. it. I hate the guy's voice. No, it feels like you're hiding something from. I'm him. not I hiding really anything. Hate sticks. It was just one of those things where like everybody was like, "Oh, sticks is so great!" Like, uh, we did it in our high school marching band, and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I've 
heard this song. It's not my favorite thing. I don't really like the guy's voice at all because he's really annoying. I'm sailing away. away. And like, I'm not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan at all. Okay. Is that a sticks thing? Yeah, it's a big sticks thing. Every 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 game, every Steelers game, they they turn off all the the lights in the stadium and play Renegade. Do they do the new Renegade? No, they do Renegade by Sticks. Yeah, no, I got that. But do they do the new Renegade after that? And like Renegade, Renegade by Sticks Renegade. would be Renegade by Sticks would be a good song if somebody else sang it, right? Like no, because I like the guy's voice. I'm sailing. Well, that's that's fine. Anyway. You can. It's a combination of me liking the guy's voice and everybody being like, "What? You don't like like the quickest way to get me to rebel against something is to be like, "What? You don't like that thing? What do you mean? Everybody <laughs> likes that thing." <laughs> Everybody likes that. And I'll thing. be like, I'll be like, oh, everyone I, knows. You know, I'm just not really a big up. fan of that dude's voice. Like, you're just a hater. You and are then, just a hater, man. And then we're and then we're stuck forever. I will never like that thing ever. You might like sticks one day. Maybe. I don't think that's gonna change. But that's how it was with Hamilton, right? I was just kind of like, yeah, it's not really my jam. People were like you're stupid. And I was, I was like, cool, yeah. cool. They, I'm were just, like, they were right. Is the worst part. But they weren't right, right? Because like it's not <laughs> like I'm allowed to not like it though. Is the thing. Yeah, I guess that's true. I have a hard time with that sometimes, where especially if I come around on something, I have a really hard time with other people not liking it. This is because the usually in order for me to come around, it has to win me over not just from base, but it has to sell me from a negative space. This is the biggest problem I have with Disney is the like the the assumption by other adult Disney fans that you have not only seen the movie, but it is unreasonable that you haven't seen the movie and it is unreasonable that you do not like the movie because you have not seen the movie. It is unreasonable that you do not like it because you have not seen it. No, but like you, that you can't interface with it. Right. No, I see what you're saying there. I'll say like, it's tough for me to interface with stuff like Like that I I haven't seen. This pissed me off so much as you got the people that didn't see Encanto in theaters and then wait for, waited for it to come out on Disney plus and then acted holier than thou because they had seen it. Yeah. This is like, excuse you. It drove me insane. But like, what a weird flex, right? Like a lot of people can't go to the theaters right now for very good. Well, not for very bad reason, but a very good get you out of work reason. But it's like the movie came out months ago and you didn't see it. How are you going to like, it's been on Disney Plus for two days. Like not you, the royal you, not the Tyler you. I was about to say, yes, I did. Yeah, the royal (laughs) you, not the Tyler you, right? But like, how are you going to, if it comes out on Christmas Day, how are you going to get mad at people on the 26th for not having seen it? Right. It also didn't. Like, they expect it to be Game of Thrones, and it's just never going to be Game of Thrones, right? As much as you want them to be, they're not going to be water cooler movies. And the shows aren't going to be water cooler shows, right? Uh, I mean, people talk about Book of Boba Fett at my work. Sure, but, like, if you spoil Book of Boba Fett for somebody the morning after the episode comes out, you're an asshole. Yes. If you spoiled Game of Thrones for somebody the morning after Game of Thrones came out, it was like, what are you doing, man? You didn't see it? I guess. I didn't see it. Well, that's how it was. Do you want to ask me what did I think of Game of Thrones this week? No, I don't, because you're an asshole about Game of Thrones. <laughs> Everybody's an asshole about Game of Thrones these days. Every, there's no way to, to like it or dislike it. No, there are plenty of ways to dislike it. Trust me. As somebody who very much enjoyed the show up to like halfway through the last season and, and still like I would rewatch it. I would reread the books. I plan on rereading the books this year. People are like, wow, wow, idiot. I guess you, you didn't think, see the ending, you, you moron. We'll get, do you think we'll get the last two books? No. No, I don't. Yeah, he's no Pat Rothfuss. <laughs> I just finished the Wise Man's Fear today, and, and I'm Did at you? that point. I'm at that point in my life where I want to like drive to Patrick Rothfuss' house and be like, "I will pay you all of the money I own for the book." Please, God, I have to know what happens. I know I'm being the annoying fan right now, but I have to know what happens, Patrick. I, I just, need it. I, just, I man. 
I might have to reread this book because I just not having that experience. Oh, dude. That's good. It was very good. It was very good. The man, because the man knows a thing or two about telling stories is the thing. This is what Jonathan Larson didn't get with Superbia is it's about the, the story is king. Right. Always. That's what I forget when I'm trying to write books. And I spend my whole life trying to write the damn great ne- next great American novel and forget to just tell a story, a human story that connects with people. Yeah. You made that point already. I know, but I'm still frustrated at myself. My thing. Yeah. The other problem is, it, it, and this is, this Here's, is the thing. Can I this tell you my thing. fear? Sure. I'm so afraid that if I really get into it and start writing the next great American novel, which it won't be right. But like, I'm afraid that completing 80,000 words is not that hard. I'm terrified. No, I see. I have the opposite problem is that I have the problem that like, I don't know that I have the resolve to be like, I'm just going to move on to the next one when it doesn't, when the first one doesn't sell. It won't. Maybe. Maybe. Plenty of people's first novels sell. I mean, do they? Yeah. It's not the first novel they wrote. It's the first one that got published. Plenty of people's first novels sell. You think Looking for Alaska was the first 80,000 page slab of paper John Green ever did? Maybe. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I don't know. He's talked about, uh, but that's the thing is, I don't know how to, I don't know how to like not complete a project, right? Like, so just complete it, man. Like, I can't imagine completing the project than having somebody outside of my sphere being like, oh, actually, this isn't good enough. It's not a complete project. It's garbage. Start over. Like, I don't know how I'm going to respond. I hope I'll respond with grace and then I'll be able to like, you know, just do the thing. Right. And, and just, just write another book. Um, I gotta write the first one is the thing. Um, you gotta write superbia. Yeah, I got to write Superbia, right? And that and, and part of the problem is that like and and the the advice here is is great advice I think for people that aren't me is when um is when when she's like <sighs> the problem is the things that have happened to me in my life are so pervasive to my life that I don't know how to disguise them. What, why do you have to disguise them? I don't know because I feel uncomfortable writing a book about a 25-year-old kid whose dad gets killed. I think that would be a beautiful book. I mean, probably, but like my my internal walls, my defense mechanisms tell me that I have to I have to put a barrier between that and myself. I don't know why. I haven't quite analyzed that one yet. What if you just wrote the book with no intention of selling it? Hi, Emily. Cuz I my brain doesn't work like that. I make podcasts. She I don't care like about it. the money. I don't like I'm not I'm not trying to write a book to be rich. I'm trying to write a book that a bunch of people read. Right. Okay. I guess here's my question. Why don't you just write it anyway? Like I like I feel I mean, the I, way I, you I, feel. That's the that's the that's the great American question, right? Right. Is like, why don't you just do you write do it, it anyway? You? I would love hey, if you're selling the answer to that question, I'll buy it from you. I got twenty five bucks on my wallet. Yeah. When I talk to my writer friends, I feel like that's typically where we come back to is like it's just write the fucking thing. Right. They're more interested in writing it than people reading it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I I know. And then I and then I think about the that. fact that I want people to read my book and then I feel like a failure as an author, even though I'm not an author. Yeah, then I feel like I'm going about this the wrong way. And I I'm certain, like we one of our best friends in the world is an author. And she'll be extremely nice to me and tell me, I think if I could do Beth's way, I would do Beth's way. Where she just like, I got to get the words out. I just got to keep writing. Them, I just yeah. got to keep writing. Yeah. I just want to put words on, on page. And I think Beth does want to sell books. Yeah. Beth has sold a bunch of books. Lockdown on London Lane. Uh, pre-order Lo- still? Yeah. Pre-order still. Uh, it's two pre-order weeks still. till publication day. Yeah. It comes out in two weeks from, from well, it comes out in 12 days from when you're listening to this. Yeah. You can get it on Kindle. It's probably like, I have no idea what the Kindle price is going to be. The pre-order the other day was like three bucks. Yeah. Um, I can tell you, as somebody that has read it, as an advanced reader of this book, it's fantastic. 
I really, uh, I, I laughed I out loud. I really did. But I was told I'd be receiving a copy in the mail. And uh, this is, if Beth, if you are listening right now, this is literally no pressure. Absolutely. Take your time. Beth I, is, Beth is at, at last, at last topic or last talk has not figured out a, a, a convenient way to mail books to the United States that are not going to sell. I don't think cost there her. is a convenient way. Yeah, I don't think there is. I think it's just going to cost a bunch of money. I think if you can sign a sheet of paper and then sign a tip in sheet. Yeah. <laughs> sign a tip in sheet and mail that. I'll buy my own copy. <laughs> or have your publisher in the U.S. print a copy. The problem is... The problem is I want the UK copy because there's different covers and different names and I want both of them. I know. I know. That's what I want too. Um, I want like collector's edition stuff. I want Anyway, Netflix. pre-order your copy of Lockdown on London Lane in the States and Love Lockdown in uh the rest of the world. I well, in in the UK at least. And Netflix if you are listening right now because Make we- the damn thing into a movie Netflix. It's exa- it is so far up your alley it's not even funny. Somebody make uh, the goddamn thing into a movie. Also Netflix while we're on the topic of making it into a movie, can you send me like very exclusive high, like so exclusive the author doesn't even have it merch from the kissing booth? That too. And also, can I cinematograph a movie? I don't, oh, you want to be the cinematographer? I want to be the cinematographer. And I don't. I think you I gotta, would, yeah. I think you got to go be Key Grip 2 first. I would love to be Key Grip 2. <laughs> that guy seems happy. That guy seems like he's got it. He's, he's union, man. He's getting paid. <laughs> He's you, and he knows Brad Pitt. He knows Brad Pitt, right? I would be <laughs> like, a great I don't know key grip too. I would be everybody's fucking favorite key grip too, <laughs> ever. They'd be like, anyway, no. with that, key it grip is time. Two is hilarious. It is time. Yeah, that's the. If I was the key grip too, man, I would. I would want everybody to come away from that movie set being like, key grip too. That's my dude. That was a funny dude. That was a funny dude. I love key grip too. Yeah. Best best boy grip got nothing on key grip too. And Netflix, right if you need there. a new best boy grip, I would love to be that too. I don't really know the difference. He was right there with his keys. I think right one of them has to do all the time. I think one of them has to do electrician work. I do not know how to do electrician work. Please don't hire me for that. I'll be <laughs> first AC. A, I can pull focus. I can do that. I, you know, I can I can hold a boom mic. I can hold a boom mic. I could be near a set and just kind of take instructions from people. You know, I, I, I can don't figure know it is. out. Yeah, I'd be like. I'm a I'm a quick study. I'll say that about yeah. myself. They're like, hey, you go there. Like, I would be really good at that. I would be really good at that. <laughs> I think that's called an extra, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't need to act. I'm cool with being behind the camera. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, no, yeah, I don't want to be on screen. That's my thing. It's like, how do I? What's like an extra? This is what I think a lot of jobs need actually is, is, is extras. Guards, is extras. <laughs> Is, is key grip If in my office you take a day off, then like <laughs> somebody just can't, you need a seat filler. <laughs> no, like Josh comes in and Josh is a bar is the office bard, so he knows how to do everybody's job. He's like a sub, <laughs> right? But then when he's you come a swing, back, he's a swing, right? And when he's you come a back, swing. He just goes back to sort of like office tasks. I think this is maybe what interns are. I didn't do any internships. I just went straight into career, baby. Yeehaw. And within 90 days, I had a company car. It was great. Uh, what am I talking about? I don't know. I'm doing listener scores. I see that. I'm pulling up the thing right now. Come sail away. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. So I didn't know that's what that song was called. That's Renegade. Yeah. Renegade. 
10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. Cool, Tyler, I've got a listener score for Tick Tick Boom. Well, I don't have my scores inputted yet, so give me just one second, bud. I'm just kidding. I mean, do give me a second, but I'm not not actually mad. What was the Metacritic? I don't know. I closed the script. <laughs> oh, let me open it. 74. Um, that's what I thought. I already got it. Yeah, that's what you thought. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you had 74. It is what right. I thought. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, it is. Well, well, well. Well, well are you sure? say that? Yeah, would we call it chubby? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just to recap, I gave this an 88. Ethan, a 100. Oh, so, so just to recap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ethan was done first for once. What? You're always done with the score inputting first, and I feel stupid. Oh yeah, I count up all the scores. I was done first for once. <laughs> you know they say nice guys finish last. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 88, Metacritic 74, Rotten Tomatoes audience a 96. What did our listeners give it, Ethan? Our listeners gave it a 91. 91. That's a high listener That's score. That's a high listener score. People liked this one. That gives it a bacon and egg score of 91.45, which is fourth on the year. That's incredible. Yeah. What does that put it behind? Uh, it loses to Encanto and beats White Christmas. Encanto's third. What is first and second? Spider-Man No Way Home and School of Rock. That's a pretty solid year so far. Not gonna lie to you. Spider-Man No Way Home, School of Rock, and Kanto Tick Tick. I can live with that. Yeah, I could watch those movies all the time. All the time. We're really getting into some some sweet giblets here. Some sweet, sweet (laughs) giblets. Those are from the Hannah Montana show. Gross. I think I think that's what she said. Sweet maybe sweet niblets. Who's just niblets? That seems like a slur. Uh, Hi guys, my name is Hannah Montana. Have you tried sweet giblets from <laughs> Hannah Montana jerky have tried, brand? Have you tried racial slurs? Uh, Yikes! Well, that was what I said. The other word sounded like. Uh, I'm just checking to see if this is our highest listener-rated film of the year so far. Now, I will note uh, it is not. Um, but also, we didn't have a ton of reviews on this one. Some of these other reviews are lower, but we have more of them. Um, I don't track how many each one gets though, so this is just a guess. So at a 91, it does only lose to Encanto, which I think we only got one review for because uh, nobody saw it. That sounds about right. Yeah. If I remember correctly, because we covered it like the week it came out. Yeah. No, should we cover it again? Encanto. See, I think, you know, one of the things we said we were open to doing this year is episodes revisiting or deeper diving into certain topics. But should we cover it again now that everybody's seen it? I don't know. Now that I've seen it like five times and you've seen it like 16,000 times. Mm-hmm. I would say there was a day there over the holidays. Last time I was at my in-law's house where Encanto was on the TV the whole day. That's usually how Christmas is for me as I watch a Christmas story all day. I didn't watch it once this year. Mm, sorry. Yeah. Caitlin's dad's pr- pretty anti-Christmas story. I didn't feel like fighting that. Mm. Um, it was one of those things that like wasn't important at the time. And now I look back at it and my brain's like, that was important. <laughs> You feel I bad mean, about that. It establishes the feel of the whole the whole holiday. For sure. Anyway, um, I did watch White Christmas. That's good. Yeah. I watched uh, a Wheezy Waiter video where they watched 25 Christmas movies. 
And they really liked White Christmas, which I was kind of surprised by. I thought Weezy and I would agree on that one. Not that I didn't. White like Christmas it, is delightful. That's all right. It is delightful. I it's lovely. I mean, it, it, I still was just so overhyped in my mind. So when you say White Christmas is overhyped, you're right. When I say Deadpool's overhyped, I'm wrong. Yes. I see how it is. Yeah. I'm glad you see how it is. Yeah. You're really I'm Bruce Nolan. And that's the way the cookie <laughs> that's crumbles. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, you want to you wanna sing us out? I mean, not now that you said it, not really. I was literally <laughs> opening my mouth to be like, and that is bacon and eggs. But like now that you now that you said it, not really. How about you sing us out, Tyler? Okay. Do you want me to do like a falsetto or like I just whatever's in your range. All right. <laughs> whatever's in my range. And that is bacon and eggs. Not quite my tempo. <laughs> Uh, anyways, listen, if that's bacon and eggs, if you like this show and you want to keep listening, do it, man. You can hop back in the back catalog. Just do it, man. Like, you can just, just do it, bro. You can just you listen. Just, it's just a podcast. They're it's free. free, bro. It's free. You don't have to do anything other than pick which one you want to listen to. Some people really like to listen to One day to I'm going to be a famous Charlie Day impersonator completely accidentally. Charlie Day from uh, Always Sunny? Yeah. Yeah. I always think Charlie Day is friends with... Uh, like the name sounds like somebody who was friends with like Charlie is so cool. Like that was Alex Day. Was it Alex Day? That's okay, dude so that's, super canceled. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm Team Alex Day. No, I'm just reminding everybody: I, don't look up Alex Day. Okay. Um. Yeah. But anyway, if you like the show, you can go in the back catalog. Some people listen to every single episode, regardless if they've seen it or not. Some people only listen to the ones where they've seen the movies. It really doesn't matter to me. Just, you know, pick one that sounds good. I'm sure we've got like 300 episodes. I'm sure you've seen at least one of them. Not only are all those people real, they're asking for their mail every single day. What? <laughs> Carol! <laughs> what is that? Bro? It's always sunny. Uh, <laughs> you ever see the Pepe Silvia sketch? I've seen it, but oh my God. not well enough to quote it. It's like one of the funniest TV moments ever, and I don't even like that show. That's one of those shows that like it's been on forever, though. I, yeah. I, and I respect it for that. Yeah, I respect it for that. And like I used to like it, but then I just got to a point in my life where I was like, I can't bang with this kind of humor. But the Pepe Silvia sketch remains hilarious. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so pick an episode you like. Uh, and then our music at the start of this episode kind of sounded like, like a superhero theme. That's by Andrew Scott Bell. Our amazing graphic work. If you're looking for graphic work, whether you're a corporation and you need a graphic designer or you're like a marketing company and you need a freelance graphic designer uh, or you're just somebody who wants a logo for your new podcast, you should reach out to Vaishan at Vaishan Designs on Instagram. He's the best. He does all of our amazing work. Um, if you like the show, one. Yeah, it's not like so it, easy, you, is it, Mister Mister Intro Vietnamese. Guy, Mister I get a script for this guy, <laughs> Mister Ethan? Vietnamese. Did you write the script? No, I didn't write the script. I was busy doing something. I've been sitting here for five minutes. Why didn't you write? Yeah, well, listen. <laughs> you can go to wbne.org. Check out all the amazing shows we have there. You could even listen to like, gosh, I don't know, Late to the Party, returning at the end of this month, baby. I don't know when it's returning. It is returning January 31st, wherever you get your January. podcast and now on Spotify. This has been an episode of Bacon and Eggs. I'm Ethan Edgehill. That's Tyler Carlin. And until next time, Arrivederci. Alexander Hamilton.